0: Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I mean that this is why (laughs) self-work is so important, right? Why, why looking in the mirror is the most important thing and what, what I, you know, young liberty activists always ask me, well, what can I do to advance the cause? And one of my biggest messages, well, apply these principles in your own life, like look in the mirror, you you have all these rational principles when it comes to how society ought to be formed and, and the rules that ought to govern society but your life is in shambles right now. And and maybe you need to clean your room. Like you you need to understand how you're showing up in conversations with other people, because just batting them over the head with reason and logic and calling them a libtard or an idiot, that that's not getting you closer to your goal, which I assume is a freer society. Right. And it's Mm. not, you're not communicating effectively. You're not applying those principles of logic and rationality to your own life. You're not looking in the mirror and saying, Gee, maybe if I actually uh, dressed up a little bit better, didn't look like such a slub. If I, uh, you know, comb my hair, if I put, you know, had a shower every now and then, if I didn't show up and invade personal space and spit in people's face when I'm talking, totally oblivious to their experience, um, maybe things would start to to move in a better direction for me, and I'd actually start accomplishing some goals and not get so frustrated uh, all the time. And and I really see you know, the rise of SJWs and the alt-right and these people marching with tiki torches and taking it to the streets and fighting each other as, um, as like, I I use the term lost boys, right? These are, are, Mm -hmm. are young men generally who, um, who just can't seem to get their personal life together and can't, and are having a difficult time becoming effective people in their own lives. And, and they're very good at, understanding all the answers to fix the world, but they can't get their own house in order and they lack Mm -hmm. powerlessness. And I think there's, you know, I'm, I'm with you in that lately I've, I've had a real heart to try to figure out how to solve that problem. And it's not by attacking these lost boys. It's not by beating them down. It's by like understanding how they got to where they got, why, where's all this frustration and anger coming from and how can, how can we help them Um, And it's not by arguing that that they're wrong or anything like that. It's by connecting them with some kind of compassion, some virtue, some tools to make their lives better, some coaching, some mentorship, whatever. Right. And so so this is something that I've been working on a little bit in my private uh, in in my off time is is trying to develop um, some sort of uh, of. Uh, product or, or service or or mentorship for young men to to help them get their lives together because I, I think that that our future depends on having effective individuals that that can express compassion and can persuade i mean if, if we can't persuade each other um, it's going to come down to violence and I don't want that world I have kids and you know I don't want to see western civilization destroyed by these people
1: yeah absolutely and like the first uh, you know, in order to have a dialogue, you need to have compassion for the other person. You have to understand that they have some experience that you don't know, and yes. like you're trying to convince them, right? But but it's it's so difficult right now because both compassion and that principle of subjective experience have been co-opted by the far left. Right? And they, they they stake a claim to both of those things, but they're completely wrong um, yes. in their in their in their definitions and applications. But so you see, yeah, like Jordan Peterson is also having this effect on, you know, a lot of young men trying to have them take responsibility for themselves. But it's still very much in that traditionally fatherly way, like get your right. shit together, son. Yes. Right. But I really feel like there's an absolute lack of motherly sentiment in society right now of of, of that compassion, because largely because of the way feminism has has uh, vilified it. Um and, and so it's it's very rare and it's in I think even when women speak out um, in that way they're vilified right right uh, they're, they're not good feminists if they're talking about how valuable it is to be a stay-at-home mom and these things so it's it's very very difficult so it's like I really I really wonder who is going to yeah help right. help with that yeah, well and, and so
0: let me ask you this what would it look like then if you if you were to do a joint event with peterson right where he got up and and you know if if you the time was divided 50 50 between the 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 kind of the stern father and peterson telling us to clean up our rooms what would the nurturing mother look like what would david say on that stage or what would the message be uh how would you try to connect with these people So I'm still really struggling with that. I don't know how to connect them other than
1: sharing my experience, right? Like that is the easiest and best way to connect. So I actually think it's more of like a dialogue where I'm like basically being therapized by Jordan Peterson on stage in front of everyone. Right. And that's Mm. what I've been trying to do is just share my experience, show my humanity, show my flaws um, and that kind of thing, because it's the, the, the main thing with compassion. Is, is to just be there with someone, just let them have their experience and be a support when they need, not try and solve their problems. So you can't really, that's why it's so difficult. You can't really tell people how to have compassion. You have to okay. show them, right? Yes. Um, and so it's it's really more so, I mean, the book that made the biggest impact for me was Eat, Pray, Love, because this mm-hmm. was a woman just being so real about her awful experience with depression and anxiety, trying to find herself and find love. And I really connected with it. And so actually I'm hoping to write a book that, right. I think, uh, or, or create content that lets people into my world in that similar way to, to show them how raw and flawed I was and that I made it through so they can too. right? Right. And, and, that's the other reason it's so difficult right now, is because no one is willing to be publicly vulnerable because mm-hmm. it's so dangerous. Because if I admit that, you know, in the past, I I was really in a bad spot and I sexually assaulted some females. I didn't, like not to a, an ex- absurd degree, right? But like I shared a video that was six to eight minutes of me saying, here's my thoughts on the Me Too movement and how I was raised. And, and you know, I was told it was cute that I jumped on a girl in kindergarten and kissed her. Right. And then I got to high school and I was I was basically peer pressured to just go and kiss a girl on the lips. And And right. then I was applauded for my bravery. And so right. how was I then in university supposed to know I should have known, but I didn't because I'd been reinforced for a decade that this behavior was acceptable or encouraged in me Mm. right and so that i just admitted that and and you know people's lives are destroyed for admitting it because we don't have any compassion for men in particular but especially this sort of behavior um and so i've accepted it i you know i i so it's i have to just you know there has to be platforms for people to be willing to share and, and talk about these things and i think a show like The View, like you really just need to start a show where men can talk honest, honestly and really and show themselves because um, that that does, doesn't happen anywhere. It barely happens with women now, but it definitely doesn't happen with men.
0: Yeah, no, I think those are all all good points. Um... Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, you, you touched on this this uh, idea of of accepting yourself, right, and acknowledging where you're at, and 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 this idea that you know you have this high standard or this high vision of yourself, but looking yourself in the mirror and realizing you're not everything you thought you were is is a necessary. First step, and it's difficult, and you can talk all sorts of negativity about yourself and think that you're a horrible person, and, and that doesn't get you anywhere, right? Mm. And it, it doesn't advance things. And so, you know, a book that really changed my life was uh, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. I hope we get a chance to talk about it one day. Mm. Um, but it, you know, it, it made me realize, yeah, that everything starts with our inner dialogue, right? How we judge ourselves or how we view ourselves even okay i i've i have anger and i'm triggered um am i a bad person for that no i'm not that anger is telling me something and i need to listen to that anger and, and try to understand it if i want to uh if if, uh, if i want to harness that towards a positive ends or something like that right uh, but having negative self-talk or a self-image of of how i am or like I you know and it goes to, through everything like fitness and diet right so you, you start a particular diet or nutrition plan and you cheat and you fall off the wagon, right? Oh, I'm terrible. I don't have the discipline. And then I just find myself in like endless bags of potato chips and chocolate bars and McDonald's and uh, you know, it, it <laughs> yeah. falls off the rails. Right. And so it's, it's a constant um, dialogue with yourself and recognizing your inherent value and, and, and that spark of divinity in you and, and accepting yourself for your flaws yeah. That, that helps you progress to the next level. And, you know, not letting perfection be the enemy of the good, I guess, is yeah. part of it. Right. So all that stuff is is tied up in this idea of compassion, I think.
1: Yeah. And and especially when you're trying to make a big life change or any life change, it's so difficult. It, you want to see the end. You want to get there. And when you slip up, oh, I'm miserable. And, and you and you just give up altogether. But it's like, no, there's, I'm trying to change my life. I'm literally trying to change my life. And I'm going to slip up. I'm going to fall back into old habits because it's just kind of what happens. And I think the most important thing is that people have to know that they are good. Right. And so I know that I am a good person. I know that because I want to be a good person and I'm trying my hardest. So I know I'm a good person because I've decided to be one. Uh, right? And and I think that's what Jordan Peterson was talking about. We talked earlier about like, you need to know the evil you could do to really decide to not do it, right? right? If you just kind of float through the world, not ever thinking about your actions, that's not the same, right? And so I actually got flack because, you know, I was posting some videos on Facebook, and I was reiterating that I'm a good person. And people were then telling me that, you know i must be a bad person for me to need to say that i'm a good person and mm-hmm. it's like no you're all saying i'm a bad person so i it it is helpful to remind myself right i don't right. think there's a problem when i'm when i'm being surrounded by people telling me i'm a bad person for my beliefs to yeah. remind myself and to tell them no i'm a good person right and that yeah. is the thing that has to be in place before anything else i couldn't face some of the some of the behaviors i did in my past until I had accepted that I'm a good person and I made some bad mistakes, right? And and it's yeah. up to each of the people I impacted um, to to decide whether or not they forgive me, um, and and I still have to take responsibility for those actions. I I, I do not uh, forget them, right? I do not. Yeah. I, I have to forgive myself, but I do not forget them, and I have to know that I was capable of these things, that I did do these things,
0: yeah. right?
1: Um, but the first step is to except I'm a good person. And so
0: few people actually believe that about themselves. Right. Well, yeah. And I totally agree with you. You know, I, I've done some regrettable things in my past too. You know, I I was an absentee father because of the guilt I felt about, uh, about going through a divorce with my kid's uh, mom. Right. And, and, and I just beat myself up and, Thought, man, how could I not keep this marriage together? How could I not? Like, uh, what, what's wrong with me? And now, uh, you know, I like my kids are suffering because of, of me not being able to hold things together. Like, and but I realized after a while, like, all that guilt I had was not helping my children, it was not helping me be the father that I wanted to be or I could be. So I had to um, forgive myself and I had to, uh, you know, I had to recognize my own worth and say you know what my kids are going to be better off having me around a lot more and more engaged with them and and um but yeah and and so yeah holding on to all that guilt and all that shame and all that self negative self-judgment doesn't help you it doesn't help your the ones close to you it doesn't help the world uh you take accountability you take full ownership and responsibility for what you did and um you know and then you you learn from it Right, that it's that old saying that um, I never lose. I either win or I learn. Right, and so recognizing, yeah, I've fallen short big time here. Uh, What can I learn from this? How did how did this happen? Well, how let's let me figure out how to prevent this from happening again. Uh, I mean, that that's that's how we become better people. That's how our character grows. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and and you know, I want to kind of bring it back to the idea of limits. Then you know, because that 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 still applies you know if there's a criminal right if there's someone who's you know part of a perpetual criminal they do robberies yep. or whatever at some point if they think every day well i've been a criminal for two years so uh, like my life's over i may as well just be a criminal forever right if they think that and oh i'm a bad person i'm a criminal yep. right yeah then then they'll never break out of it at some point they have to accept no i made mistakes but i'm a good person i'm gonna be a good person um yeah and so you know the question of 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 what limits are, um, you know, it, it it first, I guess, and foremost applies to yourself. And so I think that's actually why I'm so interested in these extreme cases, because mm. I had to admit that I would not be surprised if I could have ended up being a Hitler. Right. And like, right. that's a really messed up thing to say. But I was so yep. driven to power in my youth. I I thought I had the answers and I bought into the the current state of society, which if I have the right answers and I actually am good, then people need to listen to me, right? And sure. that's messed up. And I had to. Look I mean, we at see my, that
0: everywhere, right?
1: Yeah, you know, and I young people to, have
0: such moral certainty about their their positions. Yeah, so.
1: absolutely. And and so I was I was the leader of the Lost Boys, right? Like I really right. felt that way, right? And so I had to face that. And so it's like you know. What would my limits for self-compassion be? If I killed ten people, could I forgive myself for that? Right? And so right. it's like this idea of we're not punished by our sins. We're punished for our. we're not punished for our sins. We're punished by our sins, right. right? right. So, like even the way I treated women in my in my you know womanizing youth, I carry that with me. I like i, I I've written apology letters, and it's like, I hope you never think of me but I think of you almost every day and I have to carry that and I have to accept that I made those mistakes, but I don't drop them. Right. But it's like, where is the line? Right. And so I, I do try and put myself, okay, you know, Kim Jong Un's options are, are like, he was born into this awful situation worse than anything I could imagine. And either he kills millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people, or he dies. And if he dies, those people aren't saved. Right. Uh, Like if anything, he has like, at some point you have to play into the system, but then you get to someone like Bashar al-Assad and he definitely, in my opinion, is more at fault than Kim Jong-un. Right. Mm. Um, But at at what point along Bashar (laughs) al-Assad's journey, do we lose compassion for him type thing? Right. right. Um, and yeah, or what I do in those situations or how, how do I feel about what I, you know, I've stolen things. I, I, I've, uh, done. Yeah. Like I've never done anything that I think is irredeemable, but you know,
0: some people could disagree. Right. And, and it's their right to disagree. Right. And, mm-hmm. and we don't need to, um, like to me compassion like there there's not endless supplies of it everywhere we we can recognize the dignity in everyone, but whether you extend like to me what it, it's not the compassion that matters it's it's what follows that like what behaviors are you exhibiting because of that and mm-hmm. I look at it like triage right so i I think that a good principle to go by is to uh treat people how you would want to be treated and if if they respond with hostility it's fine to meet their hostility with equal hostility right uh equal opposite reaction um you you don't owe them some kind of you know uh, like you don't need to sacrifice yourself for another person right yeah you can you can recognize okay this isn't going to be fruitful
1: um so i think the most compassionate thing is actually indifference is not to return their hostility it's just you know what this is your this is your reaction to me,
0: that's your deal. And I'm leaving. Right. Like, and, and that's fair. I mean, you know, I wouldn't beat myself up for being hostile to someone either because, uh, you know, compassion for myself, like, you yeah. just attacked me. I'm going to attack back and, and feel fine about it. Um, mm. so, so, I mean, a lot of this is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get at the core of why this, um, like w- how, how to apply this or w- where it would be applicable. And, and to me, it's, it's all about the people in your own sphere of influence. Like whether I have compassion for Kim Jong-un or Bashir al sad that that's largely irrelevant to how mm-hmm. I'm going to behave towards them. Uh, you know, th- there's consequences for what they're doing, um, whether they had any choice in the matter or not, whether they're coerced into it or not. You know, if I were sitting on a jury uh, in, in, you know, Nuremberg or, or the Hague or something like that. I might, you know, compassion might play more of a role in trying to understand their their predicament and apply justice to them uh, properly. But for me, right now, in in you know Sherwood Park, Alberta, it doesn't it doesn't matter whether I you know whether I have compassion or not for these people necessarily, right? And but I think I, I think I think it, it, it is important. To always have compassion for yourself or, or to recognize your own worth, no matter what you've done, no matter how horrendous your sin or your crime, um, or whether you, you have to pay the price and spend life in jail or, or whether you're heading to the hangman's gallows or something because of what you, you did. You can, you can still, I think it's still um, important to recognize yourself that there's some value there and that, that whatever you have left in your life, you can do something good with that. That's mm-hmm. redemption to me. That is what you can do. Like whether you can control the outcome of whether you're going to spend life in jail or or get be in front of a firing squad or not. I mean, you can hold your head up. You can say your last words can be "I'm sorry" and "I own this" and um, you know don't don't make the same mistakes I did or something like that. There's still something good you can do. There's some positive impact you can leave in the world no matter what your crime. And and I think it's important to to always recognize that. And and so to me. You know, suicide, for example, is when you see yourself as irredeemable and you take yourself out. And I think that's the coward's way out, right? Quite frankly, I think you you can do something no matter how horrible you've been. Like, um, you know, think of the most, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer or something like that. Imagine he had a change of heart and recognized what he did was terrible. But, you know, like, would there still be some value in learning From him, Right. And him being able to explain how he went from being an innocent child to being this horrendous monster. Um, Yeah. Well, the only way we would learn that is if he had some some recognition of his own value that he felt sorry for what he had done, that he was attempting to redeem himself and own that stuff. And and the and the only reason you would even try to redeem yourself is if you felt that there was something worth redeeming, that there was some some dignity or spark of divinity inside you that, that, um, that you felt was worth saving. Right. And so, you know, I I think you're right. I think compassion to yourself is the most important place. And then it's all about, um, to me, then, then it's about, um, you know, applying it strategically where it's going to have the biggest impact in the world. So is me, focusing all my compassionate efforts on Kim Jong-un going to have the biggest impact in the world or bring my highest values out or, you know, no, it's not. Cause it's not going to make one difference, but it will in my own household towards my own family. It will towards my coworkers towards the people in my party and, and the people that I, I interact with listeners to this podcast, get a one week free trial to the warrior path. So sign up now. The details are below. I was coming off a stint in management uh, when I signed up for the warrior path and I was pretty soft. I'm not going to lie to you, David. <laughs> I was uh, out of shape. I was huffing and I had to come back to the floor, kick in doors, hump hose, fight fire, and I needed to get into shape. And Chad Kirkham at the warrior path definitely got me into shape. Uh, you know, I, I never felt better, to be honest. And he had an app that tracked the progress. I sent videos To him Uh, it was it was a really slick application actually I I would send videos he'd correct my form send me little tips and and videos and uh, and whenever whenever I needed he was available and I'll tell you I I put on I think about 50% on all my personal records in about a two-month period uh, working with the warrior path
1: I think that's a really important point Um, this and and, you know brings back in where the parallels are with with you know rationality and liberty it it, as much as it's fun to theorize it's most important to apply it in your day-to-day life right and and you know so it's not worth thinking about would I be compassionate for that guy because I need to just be compassionate in my day with every person I interact with I should treat them compassionately and I think the 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 same way I should treat them like they're a rational person that can make their own decisions, um, and and I think you know the the traditional left they do it the other the other way. Well, I'm I'm, it's it's the virtue signaling. Well, I'm compassionate because I agree that we should send hundreds of millions of dollars to Africa, but you're a piece of shit that's standing in front of me for disagreeing. You're a horrible human scumbag, right? right. Um And so I do think it. Uh, I I really think that it, it's. The parallels there are still so strong, right? Mm. That it is you have to treat someone as a uh, as a rational human being, which right. includes the fact that they are a human being. As rational yes. as they are, they will make mistakes, uh, eat, uh, eat, no matter what. And and on the idea of you know Jeffrey Dahmer, that's exactly why I feel such a need to be honest about what I've done, and, and, because I I know I'm a good person. But I look at my youth and I'm like, how the hell did I behave that way? What possibly led to me being an intelligent, good person thinking it was acceptable to live this way? And I Mm. view it very much as the cause of society. I should have known better, but I didn't because I was very much feeding off of what I was surrounded by more than the average person. Right. I think I I think I was the natural. uh, Like, epitome
0: My product, yeah.
1: of yeah i think i was just better <laughs> at society than everyone else at actually enacting the values as i interpreted mm-hmm. them right and i think donald trump is a very similar uh um personification or whatever right like sure. of 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 the values that i heard about what america was uh yeah. and these things right um yeah i had one more point but i think uh you, I think you really captured it, uh, and I'm glad we could have such a uh, in-depth conversation about this.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I, I also thought of another example. Maybe I'll, I'll try to send it to you if I can find it. But there was a a psychiatrist in Hawaii uh, who was hired to be head up this psychiatric hospital or something like that. And <clears throat> there's some Hawaiian like spiritual tradition where i can't remember but it's basically a meditation where you 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 think positively about another person in five different areas i think i'm probably butchering this but basically what he did was he he didn't make any sweeping changes or anything to patients therapies or to, to how they were managed in the hospital but what he did do was practice every day thinking about each each patient he had in that psychiatric hospital and and thinking these positive things about them, thinking about the spark of the divinity in them and how they're valuable people. And then he encouraged his staff to do the same thing. And um, within, I think, six months, all these patients had um, no longer needed psychiatric hospital. Like basically the hospital had to be closed down because there was no more patients left. And, you know, again, so, so I'm a big believer in this, this idea that recognizing the value and the spark of the divinity in other people even horrible people or people that have done bad things um can create positive change and so if i can you know and and so I, i think that we can all apply a little bit of this we don't have to think this way about pedophiles or murderers you know but at least we should think about this way about people who have a different political philosophy than us who people who identify different politically than us. I mean, these are, are people that haven't word. murdered anyone. They, they might have bad ideas, but we need to recognize at least then in, in these people that that there's something there that we need to connect with them, that, that our only path forward that doesn't lead to violence is to recognize that they are individuals that have inherent value and that we can persuade them if we listen and if we have open hearts towards them. Um, and so... I- I do want to say that I
1: honestly do think that state institutions are a huge problem in this respect, because you're one of 25 students. You're not the individual. I wasn't David. I was the shit disturber of the class. And that's how I was treated. They didn't care why I was shit disturbing. You know what was going on in my life? They cared about, oh, well, I'm making their job tougher and they have to just do their job. And yeah. it's the same in hospitals. You hear about pe- patients being completely dehumanized now, right? And just right. they just need to be ushered through the process. And I really yeah. think it. And I mean, there's also parallels. This is what is typically projected onto the corporate world. Your employee three eight two one five. Your employer doesn't care about you at all, and you're a cog in the machine, and you're and you're and yes. you're meaningless. And and I do think there's an issue there as well. Um, but it it's so you have this complete sense of meaninglessness because people aren't trained how to find it in themselves.
0: And then they're just completely inundated it with, with it from all sides. Yeah. And, and those labels are, you know, they're kind of dehumanizing too. I I have the same worry about, uh, you know, labeling mental health problems with, you know, pathologizing them as if they're a disease an uncontrollable disease or something like that. Right. Yeah. Because to me, it, it strips people of agency because on, you know, on the one hand, you need to recognize, OK, I have these compulsions that I can't seem to control. But the only way you're ever going to be able to control them is to recognize them. And at some point, if you take full ownership of them, you can't control them. Like alcoholism, you know, you, you don't it doesn't have to destroy you like you can you you can um, you can get past these addictions. Right. Yeah. Uh, so so but I worry sometimes that that are are put into these boxes and it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy um, because they're an alcoholic they're not joe uh, Mm -hmm. my neighbor right and and that kind of reinforces it and we see it in in kids uh, you know in classrooms i think it's the is it the pygmalion effect or whatever where whatever the teacher's expectations are of the student however they label the student that's how the student ends up doing or performing so if you're the problem child or the the Uh, intellectually disabled child um that's what you become regardless of whether you're that or not right yeah there's there's um
1: there's a quote i think it's from mr feeney from boy meets world but it's it's something along the lines of if you let people's perceptions of you dictate your behavior you'll never change as a person but that's extremely difficult to break out of Right. I I had mental health struggles all throughout university and I would consciously try to be different and people wouldn't believe it. People Mm -hmm. would think I was full of shit and they'd treat me the same way they had always treated me. So I couldn't change. It was so if I'm surrounded by alleged friends and acquaintances who treat me a certain way, especially if it's a if it's an addiction or a habit I'm trying to break, you just fall back into that same pattern. And so you particularly see that in the criminal justice system, right? You you know, these individuals are are not treated with compassion. They come out and they're just, you know, you're a convict or whatever. Um, So they fall back into habits because that's how they're treated, right? And this is actually the fundamental issue with some of the things the the left wing quote gets right still about, you know, some of the issues that they call systemic. But, you know, I, I don't know if I agree with that term, but yeah it it ultimately comes down to needing to treat people individually as just yeah. rational human beings.
0: Yeah, I think we need to recognize where they came from and have some empathy and compassion for it, but we also, you know, part of compassion to me is is still recognizing that person has, has agency and ownership, right? And uh, you know, that's where the left gets it wrong. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and the that, right that makes would mistake be called of saying compassion that compassion
1: for many right. people Right. Like that's that's not real compassion. If you think that they're not in control of their if they didn't decide to do it, if they just did it because. Right. Um, You have to accept that they decided to do it. But
0: why did they choose to have this behavior? Not that it was out of their control. But, you know, thinking about that, um, that kind of that Pygmalion effect and how, you know, labels kind of create self-fulfilling prophecies. You know, the labels we put on ourselves and others put on us, you know, those are kind of dangerous. And I think it'd be a mistake to to think that I'm immune from that right now. Right? Like, I see it all over the Internet, like people, especially who are on like social media influences or something like that, who their, their job is to get clicks. And they become maybe a provocateur because they recognize that that gets some clicks, right? And so they're they're mm-hmm. the person that calls out libtards and facts, not don't care about your feelings, kind of thing, right? Yeah. They become that person, and then what? <clears throat> after a while, they recognize, well, they're maybe they're contributing to tribalism. They're not, you know, they, they're get they're getting a lot of punches in, but it's actually not creating the kind of world they want and they want to switch gears, but they're too scared to now because they become that person. They become that identity. And, yeah. and, and it's, I see it in p- politicians too, right? Politicians become that, which they think will get them the most votes. And they, then they become that person and yeah. then they can't burn. And we never see their authentic selves come out because they become a caricature that has been built up by labels, <clears throat> by their own image of themselves that has been influenced by, by everyone else's projections of who they are yeah and uh yeah so it, it's it's an interesting uh my mind just kind of went off on a tangent there but
1: no and i mean i i really had that experience in university right like i it, it's i had it on such like a, a a distilled level like i was well known within engineering universities all across canada as fucking burn bomb the asshole Right. Mm. And so I would meet people and they'd know who I was before I met them. And then they would treat me based on what they heard. Right. So right. I was like, I was a celebrity to that extent. And so it's very hard to know yourself right. when everyone around you is telling you who you are. Right. And, and so that's the problem that celebrities have always had with yes. mental health issues and these sorts of things. But because of social media and a lot of other stuff, it's now everyone, right? You know, people are always just looking on social media about who they think, who other people think they are and what what happened with me i literally posted videos in mental health crisis being as raw and honest about my humanity as i could be and saying like i struggle so much i'm trying to be a better person and all of these things and then i post one thing about oh we should we shouldn't ban plastics you're <laughs> a piece of shit right like how are you such a horrible person yeah. and it's like They don't understand, but they don't see how they don't have compassion for me. They don't assume that maybe I'm mistaken. They don't assume that, you know, uh, anything, they don't give me any benefit of the doubt. I'm a horrible human being. Meanwhile, six months ago, I was posting about, you know, suicidal thoughts and and they don't care. They don't care. Right. Like, And and that's just the experience of society right now. And it's like, how do we how do we
0: flip that switch? But I do and, think the answer is. And so do, you, do you, you have difficulty having compassion for these people who call, call you terrible names and dehumanize you? I, I don't. But it's, it's, that's where, like, com- a lot of the times
1: compassion is, it just turns into indifference, right? right. Um, like, this person is not important to me. Um, I'm sorry that they feel that way. Uh, and, you know, it's unfortunate for them. Right. Like, I I don't care about them anymore. But so it's like it's I'm struggling with what is the the line between compassion and indifference. But oftentimes it's like, you know, Buddhists claim to be very compassionate, but they're also very just kind of detached. Right. Right. Because everything everyone is like you're just doing your thing as long as you're not active. And it's the same again with the liberty principle, like as long as you're not actively actually causing me direct harm just do your thing, whatever. Right. Um, and, and so I've more struggled with, if this is all I'm getting on social media, why do I bother? Right. It's always difficult in, in today's society of everything's public. Um, but I mean, I've never had face to face
0: with people. Right. And and social media kind of drives this cycle of compassionlessness as well. Right. Because the temptation is there to do something sensational, right. To, yeah. play a caricature uh, or, or to feed into um, the most, uh, you know. Well, yeah. Everyone assumes that everyone is grandstanding,
1: right? right? And so Alex Epstein, who we've mentioned before, and you know, um, he talks about opinion stories. And if you want to actually convince someone, you should tell them how you came to your opinion on something. And yes. so that's all I was doing. I just started to share my opinions on things. But people just assume I'm grandstanding and, and trying to convince people. It's like, no, this is my social media platform. It's, I'm not trying to get you to believe me. I just wanted to share my views. But it's like, there's no, it, people don't believe that because that's not what social media is used for anymore or at all. Um, so it's, I mean, it's a very difficult thing to, to fix. And I think that's why reengaging in real life is the most important thing. There's a quote mm. from um, the book Faith which is by, I think, Jimmy Carter. But it basically, he said that I try to have. Um, so he says God, but I would say that's also the self. But he says he tries to have two loves in his heart at all times for God and the person sitting in front of me. Mm. Right. So, like, I try to have two loves for myself and who I'm talking to. Right. Right. Um, and yeah. that's what's important um, in any moment. Right. Um, but it's very difficult to try and then the that doesn't contrast with the power of social media um very well but also it does eventually right like you and I are, are fighting for v- principles and values and, and and not an election right, right. and it's a sl- it's a slower battle but if people start taking it up i do think it will be won and and yeah. when i talk to people about it in person it's like okay well about rationality or about compassion i say okay well you think that the 30 people you're closest with all have brains and are all good people deep like fundamentally it's just no one else's 30 people are right right
0: yeah (laughs) and so it's, it's interesting it's very interesting yeah
1: any, any last thoughts on,
0: uh, we went quite over, but yeah, I, I mean, really enjoyed this uh, conversation. No, you know, I think I think we need to carry this conversation on offline a little bit because, you know, what percolated in my brain is, okay, I, I want to um, help the lost boys, the young men um, get on track, but, but you know, I, I was thinking of it more from a kind of stereotypical masculinity perspective right that that i'm used to i'm a firefighter i hang out in the fire house with a bunch of other alpha males you know i'm gathering resources for my family i'm that traditional father who takes the training wheels off that that says get up you can you got this rather than gets down there and, and cleans the wound you know like but that's not the only way to be a man and that's not the only way to be masculine and and actually being a man is a balancing of, of the feminine and the masculine and 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 so there's different ways of doing this and and so you know the thought in my mind now is that okay maybe maybe I need to chat with David a little bit more about um, about creating a little bit more balance in this pro- product or the service that I'm, I'm trying to develop here so yeah. um,
1: and, yeah. and so leave- I,
0: I, I really appreciate
1: that and I've out of necessity you had to really think about, these things to, to correct myself. Right. And, and so, I mean, I think gender is something we haven't talked about, but the whole gender debate plays on this issue within men very strongly as well about, um, you know, the feminine aspects of them that that they don't necessarily feel. And, and so like I've, I've written extensively about my gender journey because I viewed those aspects as womanly, like, Oh, I must be non-binary or transgender because mm-hmm. now, na- when, when I was finally starting to cultivate these compassionate and other more womanly feminine things, I was like, well, I must be a woman then, right? Because a man doesn't have these things, right. was, was what I'm being told by society, right? Um, mm. um, but definitely, I, I would love to uh, talk more with you about this and anyone else, I'd love to hear their thoughts. Uh, it's something I've struggled with significantly and I, and I think is really important.